uh, this weekend, I want to speak uh, on this subject called Between Faith and Faithfulness. And as Christians, these two words are very important to us and they represent very important subjects within the Christian faith. Faithfulness is, of course, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, of which there are nine, and that's found in Galatians chapter 5. And essentially, that means that faithfulness is a virtue or a character quality that God is going to look for on the day of judgment when we stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Amen? Just as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the rest of the fruits that are there, God desires for these fruits to be developed in all of our lives. God wants faithfulness to be found in every single one of us. It's not as though you can choose, uh, this one I don't want, you know, that one I don't want. No, you've got to have all of it, okay? Now, on the other hand, you've got faith, and faith appears as one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it is found as the gift of faith. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, where he says that there are three abiding qualities that will endure forever, of which is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of this is love, of course. Uh, but essentially, faith is described as a quality that's needed for us to move mountains. Whenever God calls us to do that which is impossible, the ability to do it comes from faith. Amen. And it is a vital ingredient for all of us because in, one, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, uh, uh, the Bible Bible tells us this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. And so if we want to bring pleasure to our God, then we must operate in faith. Now, let's begin with some definitions. And I think that every time we talk about biblical definitions, it's a great reminder for us to emphasize that our definitions uh, for, our, for biblical terms must come from the Bible itself, okay? So you can check Webster's, you can check Oxford, but they are not going to give you a biblical, the definition of biblical terminology. But instead, the Bible is actually the best source of definitions that we can go back to, okay? So firstly, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is the quality of being steadfast, of, tr of being trustworthy and loyal to the Lord and to the tasks that He has given to us. Amen? In Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 2, uh, Nehemiah is, uh, you know, after rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, he's going back to Persia to report to the king. And before he goes back, he appoints two men, Hanani as well as Hananiah, as leaders. And the Bible tells us the primary reason they were appointed was because they were faithful men. They were faithful because they were going to carry on what Nehemiah had, uh, had accomplished and they're going, to keep it, keep the work, uh, they're going to keep the work continuing onwards. Amen. Paul also instructed Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2 2, to commit the things that he had learned to faithful men who will in turn teach others. Amen. So again, what we see here then is faithfulness has to do with a steadfast continuation of the work that we have been entrusted with. And the key to this is that we continue in this work, not grudgingly, but with joy and with humility. Now, something else you've got to realize about faithfulness is that faithfulness originates from God. It is a character of God, and that's why God is described as faithful and true. He's always faithful. He'll never be faithless. There's a, there's a Bible verse that tells us that even when we are faithless, He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. That is his nature. And from that nature of, that is in him, he desires for us to be faithful as well. Amen? Now, what about faith? 
The best definition of faith is found in Hebrews 11, verse 1. And the New King James Version says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Many of us have memorized this. But I want to present to us the Amplified Version because the Amplified Version gives us a very pictorial description of how faith actually looks like. And it says this, Now faith is the assurance, or literally the title deed, or the confirmation of things hoped for. Or in other words, things that God has divinely guaranteed to us. And the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Now the picture that's being painted for us here is that God has spoken to us and guaranteed something to us. He's made a promise to us and that which has been promised has not yet happened. It's not taken place physically yet, but instead what God does, He gives us faith and faith is like the title deed or a promissory note from God that He is going to do it. And the result and the effect of faith is that even though we have not physically received what God has promised, we behave and act as though we have already received it. Amen? Romans 10, 17 is another important verse regarding faith and it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In other words, when God speaks to us about a matter, the spoken word from God is what delivers faith into our hearts. God makes a promise to you, I'll heal you, I'll do this, I will accomplish this. And that word produces faith in us and though it's not yet been manifested, but we believe and, and we begin to behave as though that thing has already happened. Now that is what faith is. Right Now, I want to give us a little illustration of the difference between faith and faithfulness by using one of the verses that we're very familiar with, and that's uh, in um, Galatians 2.8, okay? And it says this, we've been saved by grace through faith. Okay, we have got that verse coming up. Now, I want to substitute one word, okay, in this verse, and I want to substitute faith with faithfulness. And look at how this reads now. You know, we've been saved by grace through faithfulness. Now, I, I'm telling you this, praise God that we are saved through faith and not faithfulness, okay? Because if it is faithfulness, none of us are going to make it because all of us have been faithless at some point in our lives, right? So you can tell straight away that there's a distinct difference between faith and faithfulness because our, our walk with Christ begins with faith, not faithfulness. The starting point is faith, but thereafter, God wants to develop faithfulness in all of us. Now, my, 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 my drive or my motive for speaking about faith and faithfulness is because God has actually been speaking to me personally over the last three to four weeks about this subject. Yeah? And, and God's been like just speaking and drawing a difference to this. And I believe that the church at, at large, Christians at large, there is a constant emphasis on pursuing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but there is somehow a lack of a push on pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If I were to ask all of us gathered here and those of us who are watching digitally, what is God saying to you? What is God, you know, working in your life right now? Many of us, we would begin to say something like, hey, God is dealing with this area of my character. Maybe He's working out more love, more gentleness, more humility, more self-control. And we tend to talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit or character issues in which God is dealing with us. I think it would be very rare if somebody would actually say, you know what God is saying to me? God is speaking to me about developing the gift of the interpretation of tongues. How many of you, God is saying that to you right now in your life and dealing with you? And that's very unusual, or the word of knowledge, or the gift of the word of knowledge. And I believe the reason is because when God deals with us in our character, God always deals with us in a, in, in a, in a manner that is hidden from the sight of others. 
you're doing your quiet time and God begins to speak to you or you had a, a, an altercation with your spouse and the Lord begins to speak to you and says, hey, you know, this is not right. You should not be doing this. And God speaks into the stillness of our hearts. Amen. But imagine if God is talking to you, to you about the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Now that's going to be completely different, right? God is not going to speak to you in the quietness of your, of your, of your quiet time and says, you know, you know, Pastor Elijah, I want to develop this gift in you. And so in your own quiet time, you're all alone in your room and you start, I'm going to interpret it now, thus saith the Lord. This is... <laughs> Nobody does that, right? The gifts of the Holy Spirit is not experienced personally. There is a difference when God deals with you in your character, it's in private. But when He starts saying, pursue the gifts, it's going to be in a public arena. So there is a lot more risk involved when we begin to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it has to be expressed publicly and if you get it wrong, it's going to be public as well, right? So, so that's why there's a tendency for us to focus on the work of, the, of, of character rather, you know, the inward work of the Holy Spirit in us rather than the pub public expression of God's power working through us. Amen. Now, in the same manner, I want to say this, faithfulness in, involves a lot less risk than stepping out in faith. 30 years ago, the Lord spoke to Pastor Young to say, hey, I want you to leave the Anglican church and start a new church called Cornerstone. Let me tell you this, okay? It would have been a lot easier for Pastor Young to remain faithful in the Anglican church than it is for him to take a step of faith and start the church. But thankfully, he, was, he didn't just remain faithful to an organization, but he acted on the basis of God's word spoken to him, and that's why we're here today. Amen. And we thank God for that. There's something about faith that propels, that moves us into a new arena. Now, it is of paramount importance as us, for us as believers that we don't just focus on faithfulness, but we really learn to begin to operate on a daily basis and walking our lives and working our lives out by faith. Amen. Now, I want to give us a few practical handles, and I want to begin by talking about faithfulness. Let's get that settled first, okay? And my first point is this, let your faithfulness be to God. Now, this is the starting point. As Christians, we all must learn to be faithful to God. One of my favorite verses is, is found in 2 Chronicles 16.9, in which it says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to you. I love this because, you know, you got to think about this. What is God wanting, you know? I mean, if your spouse's birthday is today, you'll be asking, what can I get? What does she want? What does he want? I want to get something. And you ever ask, ask God, what does God want? I mean, he's got everything. What does he need? But here the Bible tells us that he's searching for something. He's searching for the man or the woman whose heart is going to be loyal to him. And the context of this verse is because there was a king in, in, in Judah. You know, when he was young, he was totally loyal to God and God did some amazing things through him. But then later on in his life, when he was in trouble, instead of seeking God, he sought help from men, and God was disappointed by that. And the prophet comes and says and declares this, God is looking for men, women who will remain faithful to him throughout their lives. Amen? So the expression of, of our faithfulness to God is found in the consistency of our walk with the Lord. It is in our constancy right throughout our lives to seek His will for our lives in every matter, to walk in a manner that is pleasing to Him, to spend time with Him in prayer, in the Word of God, in serving the Lord. This is faithfulness. Let me say, faithfulness does not earn you your salvation, but it has got everything to do with following Jesus. And God didn't just call us into salvation, He calls us to follow Jesus. Amen. Now, if you aren't faithful in seeking the Lord on a daily basis, then how can there be faith in your life? 
Remember how does faith comes? Faith comes when we hear a word from God. Let me tell you, faith is not name it and claim it. You can't just see something, hey, that's new car, Tesla, you know, let me name it and claim it. That ain't gonna happen. The origin is this, you must have the word of God. After you have received the word of God, then can you name it and claim it, right? And how can you hear a word from God if you're not spending time with Him? I promise you this, brothers and sisters, if you think to yourself, God is not speaking to me. Hey, maybe you're not spending time. That's a lie of the enemy. God is going to speak to you. If you quiet your heart, if you just turn your ears, God is going to speak to you. And that word will bring faith in our hearts. Amen. Now, the second thing is this. There's an attitude that leads to great faith. And I want to read uh, Luke 17, verse 5 to verse uh, 10. It's a couple of verses, and let me read this to you, okay? The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, this is the question. This is the point they're asking. Lord, we want great faith. We want greater faith, okay? Because they're seeing something in the life of Christ, okay? Of course, the context of this verse is about forgiveness and offenses, okay? If you read the context of it. Now, Jesus goes on and he tells a parable in answer to the question that the apostles raised. And Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. Now, the concept is that the mulberry tree has got one of the strongest root systems. Okay, so it's not, uh, uh, Jesus is not just picking any tree, you know. That, oh, you see a mulberry. He's saying that, one, you know, this is the most difficult tree to uproot in one shot. And yet, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can do so. And he says, which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself, serve me till I've eaten and drunk, and afterwards I will eat, you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done what is our duty to do. Now I preached about this uh, parable uh, several times. And I've always thought that this parable instructs us about the connection between faith and faithfulness. And that the lesson of this is that faithfulness leads to greater faith, right? And in fact, when I was preparing this message, this is what I intended to reiterate. But as I was reading and studying for this weekend, I really felt the Lord open my eyes to see something else. I felt the Lord show me that this passage is nothing to do with faithfulness. But it has to do with an attitude that leads to great faith in the eyes of God. Now, here's a few things. Let me break this down for us and let, me, uh, let us consider this. Okay, Firstly, um, we think to ourselves, hey, I need greater faith to do greater things, to do the impossible. But in, in essence, what Jesus is saying is it doesn't require great faith to do the impossible. It requires only small faith to do the impossible. Because at least three times in the gospel, Jesus said this, if you have faith as the size of a mustard seed, have you ever seen the size of a mustard seed? If you haven't, go over to, you know, Fair price later, go to the spices section, go and buy a little bag of mustard. See how small it is. You know, in Mark 11, in Luke 17, here twice, Jesus said this if you have this, uh, the, you know, faith the size, you can move mountains and you can uproot trees and plant them in the ocean, you can do that which is impossible. Essentially, Jesus is simply saying this you don't need great faith to do this, right? What, and the issue is this, it isn't about the size of the faith that we have, but it is the object of our faith. You need to see more of God. That's what matters. You need to see the master. We need to focus not on the size of our faith to do the impossible, but to focus on the size of our God Amen. and to see Him. 
That's the point. You see, the parable is this. The servant's role is simply to serve. He isn't in charge. There's one person in charge. That's the master. The servant is incidental to do the bidding of the master. The master says, does this, he does that. The problem arises because the nature of faith is for the purpose of accomplishing the impossible. And when you start walking by faith, and when you start doing the impossible, the first thing that happens, it begins to get to your head. That's why in the charismatic world, you see people whom God raises up who does great miracles and signs and wonders. And very soon, they begin to surround themselves with a, you know, a, 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 you know, a contingent of people. They begin to call themselves, oh, I'm the man of God. I'm the woman of God. And that's the problem. And Jesus is here reminding us this, that it's not you are, the, you are an unprofitable servant. Because it only takes a mustard seed size of faith to do all these things. It is God who has done it. And when God speaks, you obey it and you believe it and that is done. Now, I want us to look at Matthew 8, okay? And I want to show you uh, an, an example here. Because Jesus, when he told this parable, in, in Matthew 8, you have a manifestation of this example. You have a working out, a real life example of what Jesus is talking about. In Matthew chapter 8, there is a... Gentile centurion that comes to Jesus and he, he doesn't come personally. He sends a servant to Jesus and says, my master, the centurion, has another servant who's sick. He wants you to come heal him. And then Jesus says, okay, I'll come heal. And Jesus begins to walk to the centurion's house. But as he's halfway there, this is what it says in verse 8, the centurion, you know, uh, sends another servant and stops Jesus. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, listen to this. Jesus heard this. He marveled and said to those who follow, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This is an amazing connection here. You see, this guy, the centurion, he understands the concept of a master and servant because he's a man who is a servant to another and he's got servants under him. And he knows, he says the word and it is going to be done. And he realizes that Jesus is God, he's the master, he says the word and it shall be done. And great faith, Jesus ascribes great faith to this Gentile centurion because he displayed and he rightly carried the attitude of a servant. He gave, this centurion man gave an expression of what Jesus was talking about in the parable of Luke 17. The point of the parable in Luke 17 is this. The disciples says, increase our faith. And, uh, and, and Jesus said, great faith is simply knowing that you are a servant obeying the master. If you get that right, if you understand that, if you receive that, then just like the centurion, the Gentile centurion, when you say that, says, Lord, I am a man under authority, you just say the word shall be done. That is great faith. Jesus associated with the great, the great faith with the humility and, and the understanding that one is but a servant. You understand that? That's the connection. That's the connection. You know, it's not about growing and getting greater faith. It's understanding I'm just an unprofitable servant. The, ma the moment the master speaks, I just need to do it and it'll be done. Yes, yes. And that's how faith works. Now, the third thing I want to bring to us is this. Be faithful but operate by faith, okay? Now, here's where my emphasis is, 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 is where I really want to put emphasis on. We all need to learn to be faithful, amen? We all need to do a good job with what we've been entrusted with and we got to do it day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out and we got to do it with a joyful smile on our faces, amen? Not grudgingly, right? But 
I want to say this, don't let faithfulness detract you from operating by faith. You see, the expression of faithfulness and faith is very different. Faithfulness will emphasize consistency, it will emphasize constancy, but faith is always going to do something different. Our faithfulness is tested by the mundane and by the routine, and we must not be flighty, but instead we must keep doing and be at what we've been entrusted to do. But on the other hand, faith you know, always involves risks, and it requires us to step into what is unknown. The way faith operates is very different than in the environment of faithfulness. Now, one of my job descriptions as a pastor in Cornerstone is that I need to moderate budgets, okay? So, October every year, all the department heads will begin to work out a budget for the following year to determine what we're going to spend on, okay? In fact, uh, AGM is going to come in April, and what will happen in the AGM is that you guys will come and ratify the budget that we have put out, and uh, to say, yeah, you guys can just go and spend the money, okay? So, what I do with, there are a couple of the language pastors, they will, their, their congregational budget is moderated by me. So, they'll prepare a budget, I'll go through it, I'll look at it, and I'll say, okay, I'll ask questions, and, uh, and then I'll approve it, and then it'll go off uh, to the board for the first level of approval. Now, and I, I like budgets because I'm trained as an accountant. And I understand a budget is not about curtailing expenditure. A budget is not about controlling how the organization spends its money. But a budget really tells a story. A budget is basically an emphasis and showing where your aim and your vision and your purpose is. In a couple of weeks, I think in a week's time, you know, our finance minister is going to give the budget for Singapore for this year. And essentially, when you look at the budget, you know where the government is leading the country towards. You understand? Where your budget, where your money is going to be placed in, this is where your attention will be. Now, Jesus says it in a different way. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And that's why a budget is incredibly powerful. But you see, when I examine a budget that is presented to me, oftentimes this is what I'm thinking. I'm asking myself, is this a budget of faithfulness or is this a budget of faith? Because a budget of faithfulness will see a largely repeated budget from the year before. Right? There'll be incremental increases, little bit of increases here, small thrust into a new area. And it's basically a maintenance budget. And that's what I call a budget of faithfulness. Wonderful. But there is also a budget of faith. And a budget of faith looks very different because a budget of faith will always raise eyebrows because there'll be a sudden jump in expenditure. There'll be a focus. There'll be something that you're looking, that the, the, the department is pro, uh, aiming for. And a budget of faith will always provoke many questions and it will draw criticism and oftentimes it will draw skepticism. Why are you spending this? Why like that so much? Why are you asking for this much money? Right? And the board will ask, hey, Lip, why are you asking for so much money? I like that. <laughs> <No. laughs> but that's the nature of faith, Right? The nature of faith is that whenever you decide that you're going to walk by faith, there's going to be opposition and it's going to come against you. People are going to, there'll be naysayers, there'll be people that will come and say other things. You see, when Jesus walked into the, the, into the, 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 the religious ruler's house and her daughter is dead, she walks into this place and they're mourning and they're crying and Jesus comes and he makes a faith declaration because the father had already spoken to him that he's going to raise the dead. And so he says, no, this girl is not dead, she's sleeping. And guess what? Everybody begins to ridicule him. You know, I can imagine, you know, the 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 you know how intense those words that are being said to you. You're being insensitive, you're so rude, you know. They must have said some nasty things to Jesus. And guess what Jesus had to do? He had to chase everybody out because they, they, these people brought an atmosphere of unbelief through their words. 
And that's where Jesus said to the little girl, Talita Kumi, and she rose from the dead. The same thing when Joshua was given the strategy to take, the, to take Jericho and God said, march around the city seven days in a row. You see, Joshua was smart. He was wise. He said to all Israel, all of you shut up. No one is to open your mouth. Because I guarantee if you didn't do that, by the second day later, somebody will be saying, hey, what are we doing? What's this strategy? Can we come up? Can we call in some other? No, this is not working. We've come, to, we've come to, for war, not for a war. Why are we doing this? Because somebody is going to cast some kind of a doubt. And that's because faith is always disruptive. Faith unsettles. Faith breaks the monotony. It means we have to stay on our toes. We never can set, quite settle down. You see, when you walk by faith, faith refuses to send the people home. Even if you don't have the means to pay it, and it demands that the people be fed instead. And that's how the 5,000 were fed. Faith requires us to challenge biological infertility and to believe for children when you're past the age of uh, 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 you know, uh, of giving birth. Amen? Come on, Pastor Sharon. Yeah. One more. <laughs> Faith means you got to keep standing when everybody else is bowing down. Amen? There is something about faith that is challenging. And I want to challenge us today to consider, are our lives merely a reflection of lots of faithfulness but no faith? Is there no more requirement of faith and the demand of faith in our lives because we've come to a place of such routine and comfortability that we don't really have anything else going on in our lives? I'm telling you, our Christian walk is not supposed to be mundane and boring. If your life is day-to-day -day routine, you are living substandard to the what God has called us to. Amen. 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 Our walk with God, I'm telling you, is an adventure. It's a roller coaster. There's going to be some highs, some thrills. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some opposition. Because if you're not experiencing that, then there's something missing of the element. You see, when we took BCW, Bible College of Wales, as, as a people, it required, it was a step of faith. It required faith. Amen. We're going to a country that we've never been to. We're reaching a people that we, have, we do not know about. And more than that, we're forking out millions to build something that we don't even know if it will succeed. Strange, every time God calls you to something about faith, it seems to cost a lot of money, right? <laughs> yeah. And I believe there's some reason for that, right? And the, the great danger for us is that we started in faith, but we're settled down to just being faithful. Now, I'm not saying faithfulness is not good. I'm not asking us to discard faithfulness. And I'm asking us to continue to be faithful. But I'm pleading with us also not to stop walking and operating by faith. Be faithful, but don't use faithfulness as an excuse to live a mediocre Christian life. Amen. I want to close by giving us a little thing that I observe in the Word of God. When the apostles wrote the letters to the churches, they're called epistles, okay? So epistles are not the wives of the apostles, they're letters that the apostles wrote, okay? And, uh, and they would, they, in their letters, they would mention people by name, right? And they will talk about who they are and things like that. And, and I don't know if you noticed, there are people that literally in these letters that the apostles identified as being faithful people, right? And I want to name you a few. The first one is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, and that's Apropras. How many of you heard of Apropras? How many of you know where he's from? How many of you know what he did? Which church? What was his position? You know nothing about this man. But he's declared faithful. Another one, Tychicus. How many of you are going to name your kids Tychicus? 
It's found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Again, we don't know anything about Tychicus. Silvanus, 1 Peter 5, 12, we don't know anything. You see, there's something that this tells us, that these names are not well-known in the Bible. And, and, and despite not being well-known, because of their faithfulness, because they've been faithful, it earned them a mention in the Word of God. And it, it, it is an eternal mention. It is as though God created a pluck in heaven and put their names down. These men were faithful. And I think this is reflective of the nature of faithfulness. You see, when you are faithful, you are unknown, you are unseen. Right? I mean, this morning, week after week, for, for, for years, we come to church in the mornings and the, 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 the chairs are laid out, they're clean, the toilets are clean, the toilet papers are replenished, there are people who are serving. Who did this? We don't know. There's something about faithfulness that's nameless, that's faceless, that we don't know. And they just serve day in, day out. And many, many times they're unappreciated. But I want to tell you this. The Bible tells us this, that though people don't see, God sees. Yes. And God remembers and God recognizes and that's why there's this pluck in heaven that says these men and women are faithful. Now, if you're faithful and you feel like you're hidden, please, you're not hidden from the eyes of God. God sees you. God values your faithfulness that is highly prized and you will have an internal place in heaven. Yep. And the acts of faithfulness somehow is always overlooked and therefore they warrant an eternal mention in God's Word. And it's important. It's incredibly precious for us to remain faithful. But I want to show you another list of names, and that's found in Hebrews 11. And the moment I mention Hebrews 11, we know what it is. It is God's hall of fame for those who walk by faith. Amen? And guess who is listed in this, in this chapter? You have Abraham, you've got Isaac, you've got Jacob, David, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Samuel, Barak, and the likes. Now, when I mention these names, immediately you know who these names are. Not only are their names known to you, you know about their lives, they know their position, their deeds are recorded for us in the Bible. We know the chapters that are written about Abraham, the father of faith, and the exploits of their faith are unparalleled, and it is recorded for us, and they're inducted into the hall of faith and forever immortalized because they believed God and they became an expression of God's ability to do the impossible. Amen? And I, my exaltation for us is this. Consider the difference in this. God wants us to be faithfulness. There are things in our lives that we've done hidden. Nobody knows about it. But God sees and God knows. But I'm telling you this. When you step out in faith, not only is your name going to be recorded, your deeds are going to be recorded because when we step out in faith, it's not us. It's the Master who gets the glory. He's going to be known. He's going to be seen as the God who does the impossible. So my encouragement for all of us this weekend concerning faith and faithfulness is this. We've got to be faithful, but we must not set down only into faithfulness. Our lives cannot be empty of the exploits of faith. Amen. Be found in that list of the faithful, but be also found in the hall of faith. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? I just want to encourage us, my brothers and my sisters, because I'm telling you the kingdom of God is going to advance because of the faith that we display. And God is going to speak to us. You know, that the, the, there's one time the angel of the Lord appeared to a young girl, probably about 16 years old. And the angel said to this young girl, Jewish girl, says, you're going to have a child. And she says, how can that be possible? I'm not even married. I'm not known a man at all. And the angel said, the, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and He's going to conceive a child and the child is going to be the saviour of the world. And the response of a 16-year-old, a young girl, she says, be it unto me according to thy word. 
There's something about the Word of God that brings that faith and she receives it. You see, God is looking for wombs that, in which He can put faith in because He's birthing things into this world that's going to change this world, that's going to bring an advancement of His kingdom. Amen. And where are the wombs? Who is willing to be a womb? Because it requires not just faithfulness, it is going to require faith more than anything else. And I'm telling you, sometimes our lives have become so comfortable, our Christian walk has become so manageable. And if we're in a place of just manageability, then I'm telling you something, you're selling short yourself what your, your walk is supposed to be. And I know sometimes it's tiring, the ups and downs, the intensity, the battles and all that. But hey, that's the nature of faith. That's the walk of faith. And we're not home yet. This is our sojourn on this earth. You rest when you go to heaven, okay? In the meantime, we must be about the Father's business. We must be doing the exploits of faith. And let's pray. Father, I ask you, Lord, on behalf of my brothers, my sisters, myself, as we stand before you, that we would not just be known as a people that is faithful, that we would be faithful, oh God. But more than that, Lord, that we would be wombs, oh Lord, we would be uh, incubators, oh God, for the Word of God that brings forth faith, Lord, in our lives, oh God. Father, let this church be full of men and women who are full of faith. Let there be great faith, Lord. Let there be an attitude of understanding that when the Master speaks, all things becomes possible and all we need to do is to carry out what the Master has told us to do, Lord. Father, we come to you this morning. We ask you, Lord, to divinely, Lord, speak to us over the next couple of days, Lord. If our lives have become a place where it is so routine, it is so um, manageable, Lord, where we're just happy and there's nothing else happening, Father, I, we just ask you, Lord, over the next couple of days that you will speak to us, Lord. Show us a vision, paint a picture for us, send your word, Lord, make a promise, Lord, speak to us, O oh God, and may our response be just as Mary's response, be it unto us, Lord, according to thy word, Lord, we believe, Lord, and your word, God. And Father, I pray, Lord, let that faith be birthed in many of our hearts, Lord, many of us will do great exploits of faith in this place, O oh God. We give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honour, and now, Lord, I speak your blessings, God, over my brothers and my sisters, the blessings of God the Father, the blessings of God the Son, and the blessings of God the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now and forevermore and everybody say Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap now, shall we? You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.